Good morning. The claims of Christ are what separate the men from the boys. That's our passage today. Um, how to, another way of saying it is how to lose friends and irritate people. Um, this is Jesus' message here today. Everybody wants to include Jesus as a personal deity. It's good. Good example. Good role model. Loving. Kind. Be like Jesus. It's only when you delve deeper into the claims of Christ that people run from Jesus. They mock Jesus. They're irritated by Jesus. And as actually happens at the end of this book, they killed Jesus. Not because He didn't make good food, good wine, heal a few people. Everybody likes that kind of stuff. As long as you've got circus tricks, people will enjoy them. But when He begins to make definitive claims about who He is, it shakes your world. I want you to examine with me today, there's two different types of people in this audience in John chapter 6. There's two different kinds of people in broad categories from this chapter 6. Two different kinds. And I want you to figure out what those are. Let me just say something. To, to provide an illustration of belief. Now, I'm going to make a, uh, make a dramatic statement here that uh, um, is not necessarily endorsed by the leadership or members of Providence Bible Church. Um, but I want to talk to you just for a second as an illustration. What, were, what, what if I were to tell you about a divisive issue such as gun control? That I think that we should have more gun control. Because... <laughs> wow, that was quick. Because more guns equal more homicides. More guns also equal more suicides. And the public really supports gun control. Most massacres utilize legal weapons. We've got to think about that. So banning weapons saves lives. We already have too many guns. And arming everyone just won't help. And assault weapons will not save you. We must control guns. What I'm going to guess after I've, I've said these words, that you had a strong reaction to my words. 
that those, that this is an issue that most of us have an opinion about. And so if you disagreed with that, the, the opinions that I put forward there, you were like, yeah, but da-da-da-da-da, you know, but da-da-da-da, what about this? Da-da-da, yeah. And, and if you were to happen to agree, and by the way, Providence Bible Church does not have an official position on this, um, just for the record. Um, but if you were to agree with what I just said, you're like, finally, somebody with some sanity. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy hearing all these, these, these arguments, um, against gun control. You're likely to have an emotional reaction. So what does that tell me about that issue? You know, we spend a lot of time, lots of people spend a lot of time on Facebook arguing different volatile positions. And I want to I want to ask you a question about that. How many people actually change your mind because of somebody putting up a post on Facebook about one of these volatile issues such as gun control? It doesn't happen very often because when you think about your beliefs, you usually take in what you agree with and immediately reject what you don't agree with. You know, if you were to want to talk, one of the things I want to talk about is a hundred years today in this, in this message, this homily. A hundred years, if you took a person from a hundred years ago and told them that you had, you could carry around in your pocket a most fascinating device that could access the sum of human history's knowledge about anything. But I use it to argue with people that I don't know and look at cat pictures. <laughs> Somebody a hundred years ago would, would be shocked at this. That, that that's what we use this very powerful device for, that we carry around in our back pockets. A hundred years. Here's my question for you guys. And this one's for everybody. This is for children. Talked about a hundred years ago. I want you to imagine yourself a hundred years from now. I want you to imagine yourself a hundred years from now. What are you going to be doing? Where are you going to be in location? A hundred years from now. I want you to dream. Dream big. And you know, if, if you want an education, you know, spend your four or five years getting that education. If it's that perfect job that you're looking for, you know, I want you to dream. What, 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 in a hundred years, what are you going to be doing? The question that I ask today is the one that Jesus was going after. Where are you going to be a hundred years from now? Where are you going to be a thousand years from now? Where are you going to be? I'm going to tell you something. That's much more important than being in Major League Baseball. 
It's much more important than being at the top of your class, graduating as a valedictorian. Where are you going to be in a hundred years? You're going to be on a track for death in a hundred years. Right? I mean, I don't think any of us will survive that in a hundred years. So the decisions that we make about what Christ is talking about, about His very sharp words today, are a lot more important than what school you go to. A lot more important than what job you have. A lot more important than anything else. We got a hunger inside of us, and Moon did a good job last week of drawing our attention to the hunger that we we have inside of us. What are you going to do with that hunger? What will you let satisfy you? Where are you going to be in a hundred years? All from this passage. Let me just start reading here. Let me set the stage. Let me just back up. We've been in this passage for a couple of weeks. Um, just as background material, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And if you look very carefully at the chiism there, and I won't take the time to break it down, but if you look very closely at the chiism, which is, which is a, um, a device that Jewish people would recognize, we recognize... Uh, roses are red, violets are blue, some Valentines rhyme and some don't. Well, wait a minute, I just, I just misused that device. But we recognize that as a device in our, in our um, language, using a riddle or a rhyming pattern. The chiism there is one of the devices they use. And at the center of that chi, um, in, the, in the feeding of the 5,000, is taking the bread, Blessing it and um, eating and distributing it, which is awful Lord's table-ish. Because if you look at the passages where the Lord's table is is a given, it's very much a parallel a parallel idea. If you look at the second chiasm um, of Jesus walking on the water, you know John excludes a lot of the details that you'll find in the other gospels, and I think the reason he did that was he was trying to make a point. He was trying to make a point that's different than the other Gospels' points that the writers that they were making. And at the center of that chiasm is, I am. Some of our translations say it is I. But I am. So you've got, in, in, in uh, the, the device of chiasm, you've got the Lord's table words, you've got I am, and then pounds at home with I am the bread of life in this passage. So let's pick up on that. I'm going to just go ahead and read this dialogue and I'll start making some comments about verse 35. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with His disciples, but that His disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. 
So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor His disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to Him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, you are seeking Me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him God the Father has set His seal. They said to Him, What must me be do? What must me do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to Him, Then what do you do that we may see you see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then said to them, then, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. There's an echo of the uh, woman at the well there, isn't there? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to Me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in Me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen Me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives Me will come to Me, and whoever comes to Me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do My own will, but the will of Him who sent Me. And this is the will of who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus is talking here with this crowd, and he is talking about food. They're talking about food. He made food yesterday. Everybody's talking about food. But Jesus' claims and Jesus' speech is moving very quickly to soul food. And by that I don't mean southern food. I mean real soul food. What is it that your soul needs? And He says, it's I. I am the bread of life. You've got a hunger inside of you, and so do I. And I speak to you children very specifically. You know, a lot of you have had the privilege of growing up in Christian homes. A lot of you have had the privilege of being at church meetings all the time. Let me tell you something. The hunger that's inside your soul can only be filled with God. The hunger, the hunger that you feel, you can fill it up with a lot of different things. In fact, I was, oh, I hate to admit this, but um, 
and I, and I hope my wife is not listening in the nursing room. Just, um, uh, uh, but anyway, so here I am. Somebody could turn those speakers down for just a minute. Um, so here I am at a business show on Friday. And uh, Margaret Ann is doing a... Don't really turn it off. <laughs> My loyal son, look at him. <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> That's great. So here we are. They're, they're, um, well, I'm at this business show. And um, they're having all these contests, and you know, you're trying to mix. And Margaret Ann, the, the lady that's in charge of the uh, United Way, somebody that I really like, and somebody that really likes my son Noah. Um, but they, um, she was having this hot dog eating contest, and you know, they're they're, they're standing around. You get all these big guys standing around, and and. Um, a couple of ladies that, that that had joined us or joined the the group at the at the hot dog table, and Margaret Ann's like, "We got one more person, one more person," and she's scanning the crowd, and she's like, "Hamlet, Hamlet, come on, come on." I'm like, "I don't want to eat hot dogs. I don't even like to eat hot dogs. And if I did want to eat a hot dog, it would be with chili and slaw and onions and all that good stuff. But I mean, these are just plain." Hot dogs, Joe, you would have loved them. Uh, just plain hot dogs, nothing on them. And, and I'm like, oh, really? She's like, Hamlet? And begging me, pleading me? So I'm like, okay. So I went and I did the hot dog eating contest. And, and by the way, I did get in third place. <laughs> because I'm just competitive enough to go ahead and do it if I'm going to do it. But that's not the sad part of this story. The sad part of this story is I call my wife and say I'm coming home and she's like, you know where this is going, don't you? She's like, I'm making lasagna, your favorite. And my wife uses my mother's recipe and and just makes the best lasagna that you would ever want to eat. I mean, if you're thinking I want to eat something, you're thinking I want to eat that lasagna. I mean, that's what you want to eat. But let me tell you something. After you stuffed yourself with hot dogs from the hot dog eating contest, even lasagna smells repulsive. You know what I'm saying? Back to Jesus' words. After you stuffed yourself with the satisfactions that these world, the world can give you, after you filled that hunger with whatever distraction the world gives you, do you realize that when somebody brings you real spiritual food, it's repulsive to you? And that's what happens in this passage. So, verse 41 the Jews grumbled about him. And again, I want you, every time you see, you, you see those words, the Jews, I mean, it, this is a device that, that John uses to illustrate the unbelieving leadership of the nation of Israel. And he says, when he, when he, when he says the Jews, I want you to hear behind him, dun, 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 
because these this is this is the backdrop on which Jesus paints a beautiful picture of the gospel and it's contrasted with the Jews. So how do the Jews respond to remember what what were the claims that he just made? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. I have soul food. I have something that will last. Something that will get you through. Not just the next hundred years, but as he points out in this passage, eternal life. And I'm going to tell you, what we're doing in a hundred years is a lot more important than what we're going to have for supper today. This is the will of My Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? We know who this guy is. This, he's saying he came down from heaven. He's from Nazareth. You know, he's from Mount Hope. We know this guy. He thinks he's all big and bad. He's from Beckley. You know, we know his mother and father. Why is he saying he came down from heaven? Well, the truth is, they didn't know his father, and that was part of the problem. Because his father was God. He came down from heaven. He's telling the truth. Joseph was his legal father, but not where the substance of this man was from. The substance of this man was from heaven, and they didn't know that, and they didn't know his father. How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered, Do not grumble among yourselves. Listen to that word, grumble. 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 What's that called? When the word is an onomatopoeia? Onomatopoeia? When the word kind of sounds like uh, what it says? They're grumbling, murmuring. Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. <clears throat> and I will raise Him up on the last day. He quotes out of the Old Testament. It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to Me. Not that anybody has seen the Father except He who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. This brings up a this brings up a, a question in your mind. You know, when I mentioned the passage about or the, the, the objections to gun control, you had a thought that came up in your mind. You had a feeling that rose up inside of you. How do you get belief in God? 
Listen to him. He said he he explains this in this passage here. It's got to come from heaven. They will be taught by God. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. He's going to develop this this thought further in this passage, so I'm just going to keep on reading. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. And wait for it. They died. Because, you know, the Pharisees are saying, you know, hey, now if you want to do something good, fathers got bread for 40 years. You know, 40 years every day. So if you want to do something good, I'm thinking I'm, I could get bread every day for 40 years. That'd probably be good. That'd satisfy me. Let's crank out the 40 years of bread. Jesus is like, you don't understand. Your father ate bread in the wilderness and then they died. Their hundred year plan was to die. I want this beyond a hundred years. I'm offering you, this bread I'm offering you is for eternal life. It's a lot different. A lot different than what you're asking me for. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. So that one of you may, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He is explaining in the most simplistic terms that what your hunger is, the deepest hunger you have is for your soul. The deepest hunger that you have is for eternal life. Because you can eat bread every day for the rest of your life, but then you die. And what next? And he says, the bread that I'm giving you for the life of the world is my flesh. And he's saying, I am going to sacrificially die for the sin of Israel, for the sin of the world. This is it. He said, I am the bread of life. My flesh. Now they go from grumbling to disputing. Then the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're checked out of this conversation. They have no spiritual enlightenment. They are not getting, they are not being drawn by the Father because they're not getting it. They, they, they are, they are interested in their secure position, their secure authority, They're very rooted in the system that they have helped set up in this country. Probably very good people. 
probably, these guys, I mean, I don't have time to explain, but these guys are watch, watching for revolutionaries. Because every now and again, a revolutionary like Simon the Zealot pops up and a bunch of people follow him and Rome comes in and, and kills him. So they're just like, hey, 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 let's, let's keep this down. Let's calm down. Let's not get anybody hurt. Let's just, you know, don't say, don't say, uh, these kind of divisive things. Oh my word, please do not make yourself equal with God. He's made himself equal with God. And they understood that. They've got this, this, this guy has got to die. So Jesus said to them, in response to the question, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on My flesh and drinks My blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For My flesh is true food, and My blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me will also live because of me. And this is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Maybe he is making this as clear as he possibly can make it. Maybe he is in, in characteristic parable form, kind of skewing the meaning for, you know, sharpening the meaning for people who are going to believe and kind of obfuscating, uh, spreading out, mixing up the people that are not believing. But I mean, he could not explain this any better. He's saying the hunger that you have, the need that you have is something more than just food that you're going to eat and die. The hunger that you have is your soul is separated from God. And it's been that way for our whole race. The whole human race has been separated from God since the Garden of Eden. And the only, the only possibility of getting back is that God's Son offers Himself as a sacrifice. And when you accept that sacrifice through belief, through placing faith in that sacrifice, that's the only way that you can be connected back to God. And he's saying that. He's saying this is a real thing. This is not... It's even... Let me just say it this way. It's even more real than this. He, again, he explains it a little better in the, in, the, in, the, in the bottom part of this passage. Let me keep reading. Well, let me just say this about hunger. Hunger is so daily. I mean, I ate that hot dog, and I'm going to tell you later on that night, I ate some of that lasagna. But you know what? I got up Friday morning... And you know what happened? Weirdest thing. I was hungry again. 
I mean, I hot dogs, <laughs> lots of hot dogs, and lasagna. And I got up the next morning. I was hunger. I, I was I was I was hungry again. And I got up and ate a little bit more lasagna for breakfast, which was nice. But here's the problem with this hunger. This hunger does not get satisfied. He's saying, if you eat this flesh and drink this blood, if you accept my offering, you'll live forever. It will satisfy you. Your hunger will be satisfied. And, and it must, you know, it should be told that, that Jesus did these things and said these things as he taught in Capernaum, in, in, in the synagogue, maybe part of a meeting, maybe after the meeting, but he's in a synagogue in Capernaum. So this has taken us from the Sea of, sea of Tiberias across to um, Capernaum into a synagogue, and then after that, we have this conversation. So again, geography is not really the most important thing to this conversation. What John is, John is doing is he's providing a flow of thought. And the flow of thought is, you know, the Lord's table words, I am, then I am the bread of life. And if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. Verse 60. When many of these disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? So, Jesus knowing in Himself that His disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, I just want to point out, you've got two different kinds of people. You've got the Jews, and you've got the disciples that are grumbling. Both, both groups are grumbling. Let's see what happens to the grumbling people. Do you take offense at this? And what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? You're saying, how can this come from heaven? What if you saw Me go up to heaven? Would that cause you to believe? Here's the passage that I want us all to fix firmly in our mind. Verse 63, it is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. The Word of God is living and active. It goes and does what it's going to do. And it does what it's going to do in your heart. The whole point of the Gospel of John is what? He told us in John chapter 20, verse 31, 30, thereabouts, these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you might have life in His name. So that's the whole point. That's the reason he wrote this book. is So that you understand that Jesus is the Christ and that if you believe, you have eternal life. That's the main point. And he says, it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no hope at all. You hear the echo of Nicodemus there. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to Spirit. It's got to come from heaven. This message 
has to come from heaven. This person, the bread of life, the great I am, has to come from heaven. That's where the authority is, is in heaven. If you try in your own fleshly way to create a hundred year plan for yourself, no help at all. And maybe, you know, I'm using rhetoric here, but maybe I should say 150 years just to make sure that there's absolutely no possibility of any of us being here. But there's a point at which none of this stuff matters. It doesn't matter if you have a hundred grandchildren or a thousand. It doesn't matter. The thing that matters is Jesus Christ. The thing that matters is believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, come from heaven, and that by believing in Him, you can have eternal life. That's the foundation of this book. That's the foundation of your life if you're a Christian. And if you're not, those words are going to sound pretty crazy to you. They're going to sound just as crazy as it did to them. They're going to be like, okay, so let me get this straight. So if you believe in this guy that was like one of God's children, then all, all, you'll live forever. Okay. <laughs> and how do you know this? Oh, it's written in a book. Oh, okay. Okay. So because it's written in a book, so all you have to do is just the magic. It's going to sound ridiculous because let me tell you something. The cross, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. To who? Those who do not believe. Those who are perishing. Is, is, yeah, perishing is the word that John uses so much. It's foolishness. It's ridiculous. And let me just tell you, you're either in one of those two camps where it's foolish or it is the eternal life. It is the satisfaction of your hunger for everything, everything that matters. Jesus points out, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was that would betray Him. And He said, this is why I've told you, no one can come to Me unless it is granted Him by the Father. It has to come from the Father. Jesus said, I'll keep everyone that the Father gives Me. And all that the Father draws to Him will come to Him. I'll keep them all. It's the only way to get them is if the Father, if the Father gives them to Me. This is why I told you that no one can come to Me unless it is granted by the Father. <coughs> How to lose friends and irritate people. Chapter verse 66, after this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. They left. In basic training, they separate the men from the boys. Put them through hard psychological and physical rigors aimed at saying, which one of you guys are fit to be a soldier. They do the same thing in medical school. They do the same thing in law school. Probably do it in, in, in any organization. 
They have a time where they say, are you serious about this? Are you really pushing it in? When Jesus put that out there, after this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. So Jesus says to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? You've got the Jews, you've got previous disciples grumbling and rejecting this very clear scriptural message that Jesus gives. He goes to the disciples and He says, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter, often a spokesman for the disciples, says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we've believed and have come to know that You are the Holy One of God. It's a game changer, guys. And it's the only thing that's important. It's Listen, you got that education? So what? In 150 years? Who cares? If you've got a degree, if you've got the best job in town, if you make all kinds of money, if you're the most powerful man in the state of West Virginia, if you come out and, and, and you get your cover, picture on the cover of a magazine and everybody says how great this person is and how they've... And you miss this? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his own soul? Or what would you give in exchange for that soul? Peter answered this the only way it's appropriate to answer it. He said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You're going to get us past 150 years. And we have believed and have come to know that You are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered him, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Now, if that doesn't make your little Christian home children, you Christian home children shiver, then you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention to what I'm saying. One of the twelve. Jesus came down from heaven and picked 12 people. And one of them had a devil. One of them was from their father, the devil. This hunger that you have has to be... It's a personal hunger. Yeah, yeah, your family is hungry every day. But you know what? If your family eats, does it satisfy you? It doesn't. You know, I ate enough hot dogs for our family. And they were still eating lasagna. Because their hunger has to be satisfied individually. And do you know that whatever you eat becomes a part of you? Think about all those hot dogs when you look at me. It's a part of me. I mean, the molecules, the amino acids, turn that into energy in my body. And it's now a part of me. It's now a part of me. 
Whatever you eat becomes a part of you. And the most important message to be believed or to be eaten is Jesus Christ. His flesh. His flesh. His blood. This is magic. In the purest sense. The belief in this. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about taking communion. I'm not talking about satisfying this. But this is the representation of this passage in John chapter 6 of the most important thing. Why do we do that? People ask, why do we do this every week? This is important. This is important. This is it. It is the Spirit who gives life. And the flesh has no, is no help at all. The words, let me just say this to you personally. The words that I have spoken to you, they're Spirit and they're life. They came from outside of me. Now some of the other stuff that I said, probably particularly about gun control, um, that's not... That's not the, the part I'm talking about. But this, these words are eternal life. And only by believing individually, personally, for yourself, satisfying that hunger on an individual basis, will you have eternal life. What's your hundred year plan? Because a hundred years is going to come. And some people with a little less hair and a little more gray can tell you it goes quick. It really does. And the only thing, the it's so much more important than every other decision that you make, I want to say it's the only thing, is whether you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you exercise that personal filling of your hunger and feed on His flesh and feed on His blood. You receive your nourishment, your spiritual satisfaction from the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Couldn't be clearer. That's the main thing. And if in your soul, your belief system is rising up and saying, that's crazy. Let me tell you, that's, that's a bad sign. But if your belief system is saying, I don't quite understand everything you just said. Let me ask you another question. That's good. Ask those questions. Ask your parents those questions. What did Mr. Smith mean when he said, that's good. Stir that. Stir that hunger inside of you. Father, I pray specifically for this young little church in southern West Virginia that you love the people that are in this room, the people that we call the band that we have, we call it Providence Bible Church, but that's not nearly as important as the banner of your church and your son's church, his bride. Father, I pray though specifically for the people that are in this room that you 
would draw them to Yourself. I pray that we would lose none of these. Everyone in here individually is very important. Important to You. Important to Southern West Virginia. Important to spreading this controversial message. But life-giving message. It's a stepping stone or a stone of offense people trip over or crushed by or gives them eternal life. Father, may these words of Yours sear deep down into our souls and satisfy that very legitimate soul food hunger. God, You are good. Your Son is the Holy One of Israel. And I believe in Him. He is the great I am.